Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Bar Podcast, episode 300. My name is Benjamin Yoder, and here, today, we'll be talking about Nintendo Switch games, Nintendo Switch localizations. Also, we'll be talking about some Japanese Dojin games that I played. I played one. There's also, like, an interesting kind of, like, retro um, hardware homebrew thing as well. Update news story. I don't know. We'll get into that when we get there kind of thing. Uh, so I'll be talking about that. And also, um, I played a little bit of the original Nier, so um, I want to talk about that because I, I kind of had a, an interesting experience with that game in a way that I, I wasn't really expecting as somebody who had already played that game uh, nearly a decade ago kind of thing. So anyways, very exciting show, but you're like, Ben, episode 300, baby, what's going on? What's the special thing? Well, if you've been listening to the show long enough, you know, for our milestones... We do normal episodes, so at this point, I think it's basically tradition, um, so I, I, we will not be doing anything super, super fancy, uh, but I will say, you know, thank you guys for listening all this time. I appreciate it, and um, while, you know, the the the, pod, the whole, I mean, my whole situation between all my different platforms um, has been kind of up in the air uh, for the beginning of this year, and the podcast is maybe the one thing that's remained relatively consistent, minus a couple of small tweaks. Um, and I think for now that's going to remain the case, but I think in the future, once I kind of get, you know, the YouTube channel in a place that I'm happy with and things like that, I might, I might put, put my eye towards, you know, what, what I want to do with this podcast in the future and going forward. But for now we will operate as is. So, um, but one, one new thing, actually, before we get into any of our deep news stories or anything, deep news stories, deep plot, (laughs) um, um, I did actually make some changes in the last uh, week or so. Um, to the Kofi uh, page. So if you don't know, I accept donations on Kofi if you're interested in that. And um, previously it was a Patreon. I was creating unique content for Patreon, but found that I was not really getting the traction I was hoping for. And um, the reality was, is I kind of felt like the 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 Patreon itself in a lot of ways became a hindrance to doing what I think people largely would want me to do. So I uh, ultimately kind of made a change to Kofi with the kind of a, you know, starting with a clean slate, hoping to focus on, you know, how could I focus contributions on, um, you know, helping me do what matters most right now, I think for most people, which is make premiere videos. And so we have the goal that's up there and everything, but there wasn't really any rewards. So um, I made a change that basically going forward, uh, the rewards are going to probably be two things. I mean, obviously things can change, but, but this is my idea for now. One is work in progress updates on Premiere videos. So for example, I went ahead and did a post that included the first six minutes of the Babylon's Fall video that I'm working on right now. And you can go ahead and basically watch that thing in its entirety. There's some placeholder elements in there. There's some changes that will happen. There's some things that are not complete in there. Um, but if you're curious to get a sneak peek on what that you know 40 minute video overall will look like, that six minutes video is up there and I, I plan to continue to revisit that in the future and provide you guys updates and let you guys kind of see it as it develops. Um, however, I can't always guarantee that there's going to be a ton of premiere video progress. So one other thing I wanted to do as well was any kind of new content created for the One Control Port Plus channel. Um, so, you know, uh, reviews, uh, any videos where I'm sitting down and doing something, things like that. Um, those kind of things are going to, uh, be available for early access on the Kofi as well. So this does not mean like, you know, podcast clips, pod- stream highlights, things like that. That stuff will remain just post whenever it's basically ready to go because that content is already out there in some form. But for the new content, you'll get some early access to that too. Um, so the panel I put up, uh, last week, that was one of the things that was, uh, uh available for early access, 
Um, I'm also going to be posting up shortly here the next week or two, probably probably this week, I think, um, a D- Damn Damn Stompland uh, video review that um, won't be going up for like another month. I don't really know what the pacing of these should be and like how long I should give you access ahead of time. But um, but I plan for now at least um, to, to give you about a month heads up on the OCP Plus stuff. That may change. That may change per episode or per, per video. But for now, that is the plan. But that is the goal is to give you guys early access to some content and then also some insight into what's happening with the premiere video. Because let me tell you, that Babylon's Fall video not coming out anytime soon. <laughs> Probably another like, you know, 30 hours of work at the very least on that thing. Um, and, and I'm still having some, some, some technical struggles that I'm dealing with as well, where for some reason, and you probably notice this in the podcast as well, beginning some weird audio stuff lately. And I don't quite know why that's the case. So anyways, that stuff aside, Fan games. I sat down and played through an entire video game. And by entire video game, I mean like a five to 15 minute fan game. <laughs> um, so I, if you don't know, I follow a bunch of people on Twitter that uh, love the Buddy Mission Bond game on the Nintendo Switch. If you don't know, Buddy Mission Bond, beautiful Nintendo Switch game um, that I that I adore. Probably my favorite Nintendo Switch game. Um, and I have a whole video about that if you want to go check that out on the main One Control Port Plus channel if you are not aware what that is. Um, but, you know, it has four, you know, handsome men that, that while well, in the game itself, they kind of play with the idea of pairing them up. They never really truly execute on that. You know, nobody truly becomes like a romantic pair in a way that, you know, would be like a definite thing, which whether you need that or not is a whole other thing. I think that's a, a great discussion. <laughs> In video games um but but you know that gives you know fans the the kind of runway to uh you know kind of fill those gaps themselves so you see a lot of things like you know pairings of characters and in individual pieces of art and and and, and Dogen, you know comics things like that um so you know the people fans get to kind of explore that space you know after the game and, and try to figure that out so um, i actually stumbled across somebody who was uh doing a buddy mission bond fan game uh, I believe the the fan translation or the uh, the machine translation name is Buddy Mission Bond Fan Game Escape in the Back Alley. And um, this seems more like a, a proof of concept more than anything else. I think the actual script actually came from like a short uh, story somebody wrote about Buddy Mission Bond, uh, but kind of adapted it to like a, you know, select a a response kind of format and a typical kind of visual novel style game fashion and as well as kind of Buddy Mission Bond fashion. And um, it, it essentially uh, tries to kind of recreate that Buddy Mission Bond feel um, while using, you know, fairly uh, uh, low budget, you know, assets. So, you know, they're going to, you know, pulling, pulling, you know, photographs that have been like, you know, splotched out in a way that it makes them more like, more like painterly backgrounds. Uh, they have very kind of like, you know, jazzy Buddy Mission Bond feeling music that's not you know, actually that music, I don't know if anybody made it. I'm going to guess it's just like RPG maker, maker music or something, but you know, it's, it's, it's made on a budget for sure. Cause it's a Dojin game. Right. And, um, but I think they do a really good job of, of kind of replicating the feel of buddy mission bond, despite not really having the, uh, graphical, uh, or the, 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 the production value, um, to do that, you know, and, and the ways that you would expect them to be able to do that. But, you know, it, it's not as readable as like the main buddy mission bond video game and things like that. But I think it'd be kind of silly to expect that as much. Um, but the character arc actually pretty nice. It has kind of a unique look, but also looks like kind of vaguely like a lot of the assets in the game in a lot of ways, in a way that I find kind of charming. Like the characters have a, a more softer look to them to some extent. 
Um, and uh, and so yeah, it's it's, it's got kind of like a nice look to it. It has a couple pages of unique art and things like that. Um, so that's that's pretty cool as well. But the story more or less is um is a Luke and Aaron pairing. So those are kind of the two main characters in Buddy Mission Bond. And, um, you know, it starts with Luke kind of running through an alley, you know, essentially saying he's being chased by somebody. Right. And so Luke, as a detective and as a cop, you might expect on the job, that is the typical thing that would happen, you know, where if he's in a bad situation, he might have to run away. Stuff like that happens in the game as well. So it, it makes sense. But um, as you're going through this, uh, this uh, story, some things kind of start to, you know, get a little weird where you're like, oh, he's like, he's describing to like a homeless guy who's pursuing him because he's trying to like get the homeless guy to help him hide. Um, like, like what the person chasing him looks like and the description of him sounds like Aaron. And um, I, it seems pretty clear that this game takes place after Buddy Mission Bond is over. So obviously he would not be running away from Aaron probably because they are buddies, you know, d- 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 Buddy Mission Bonds. <laughs> and um, so so it, 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 he's, he's running away from them and you get to choose different options like, you know, talking to the homeless guy. Um, there's like a uh, bang on this locked door and try to get somebody to help you kind of thing. And also there's like hide in the trash can. So you get three different options you can choose from. And um, the ultimate result of all three more or less is the same where Aaron catches you. <laughs> um, and so uh, Aaron more or less kind of like corners you and is like trying to get you to say some stuff. And, and, and you know, obviously there's like some additional confusion here on my part because I'm using machine translation versus like actual, you know, understanding what the text says. But, you know, you kind of start to piece together that like, oh, the reason why Luke is running away from Aaron is because Aaron was asleep on the couch and then Luke was like, oh, he's so, he's so cute. And then like kissed him. And then I guess Aaron woke up when he kissed him. And so Luke was running away from Aaron kind of thing. So very, very typical kind of like Perry kind of stuff. I have some other like uh, Dojin kind of stuff like this where like uh, uh, there's like Leon and Chris. And there's like, I think it's like Christmas Day. Um, Leon is like asleep on the couch or Chris, I forget who, one of them is asleep, asleep on the couch. Um, and, uh, they come home and they like, give him a kiss on the cheek kind of thing. Right. So he's like very, very slight kind of, you know, uh, fan servicey thing kind of there or pairing kind of thing there. And then, so, um, so Luke has to explain himself. And then, so he's all embarrassed and blushing and things like that. But then, um, Aaron, uh, more or less like pins him against the wall and Luke thinks he's going to get punched by Aaron, but kind of obviously as you'd expect, <laughs> um, um, uh, Aaron ends up kissing Luke instead. Um, and so that's where like kind of the unique arc art comes into play where they have the full screen art kind of thing. They, they get the kiss. I feel like there's three pieces of, of, of unique art. I can't remember for sure, but there's at least two and they're, they're, they're with Aaron, um, 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 kissing Luke kind of thing. So, so very cute little like proof of concept, easy to get through story. There's three different endings depending on what you choose. And I think, for, I may be wrong. I think every choice ends with the bad ending first. The second choice you make gives you the like the happy ending, and the third choice gives you like the full ending kind of thing. Where at the full ending, you guys get home, and and, and Luke is like, "Oh, it's time to eat. What what do you want to have?" And Aaron is like, "You kind of thing." So so you know, there's not anything there. It's not explicit or anything, but you know, it's it's that kind of you know flirty play kind of thing you kind of expect in this kind of um, fan product. I feel like so so you know, it's cute overall. I think and um and so there's actually another 
fan game they put out that I did not play yet. I was going to, and I forgot to. I was looking at it right as I was writing up these notes for this podcast. I was like, oh, dang it, I forgot to sit down and play through that. So we'll have another return to a, a Buddy Mission Bond fan game here shortly, but it's a, it seems to be a Christmas story featuring uh, Luke and Aaron as well. Kind of spoilery, I will say, so I won't say too much about that right now. And then when we get there, I'll let you know about the spoilers before we get into it. But anyway, so cute little thing. But the, I think the bigger thing out of everything, you know, despite the kind of like straightforward kind of pairing storytelling as that you're expecting, um, is that the uh, assets they chose, I think, were very smart. And I think they do a very good job of replicating the Buddy Mission Bond style um, using essentially off-the-shelf parts. And I think that was something that um, was really well done overall. So, um, he, so you know, this one featured just Luke and Aaron, but if you know Buddy Mission Bond, there's also Mokuma and Chelsea, Chesley, however you want to pronounce it. I don't really know. Like, it's one of those things that, like, I say a Tokadol, but then also there's, like, a Tokador, which, like, which is right. I don't really know, and somebody should tell me that at some point, maybe. But then also, like, who are they telling me that, and, and are they somebody who would actually know kind of things, a whole other thing. But anyways, um, uh, so that that uh, uh, person making that game, I, I reached out to them on Twitter, and they said they are working on another game, and it seems to feature all four of the characters kind of thing. I don't know how extensive it is, um, but it's, you know, I don't want to say too much. It sounded like it might be fairly close to being finished, but I don't know for sure. So just got to keep an eye on that and, uh, and, and check it out. So, um, you know, I would love to, um, do maybe some kind of like short video, um, whether it's like just a podcast highlight of all these games that I'm talking about, literally what I'm saying right now, <laughs> not this part, but you know, the thing I just said, um, or, or maybe just doing like a little, uh, compilation piece, but I never know, like, it's hard to know with that kind of stuff, like, you know, with, I don't know the cultural differences a lot of times, and I fear that, like, if I go and put somebody on, not blast, but, you know, putting them on a, on a, a pedestal that they may not necessarily want kind of thing, um, I, I sometimes worry about that kind of thing, and then trying to communicate that over, like, machine translation, I think, can be a difficult thing as well, so I don't know, I, I, we'll see, I, I might, I, I'm like, do I ask permission? I guess is what I'm asking the question on. Do I ask permission and, and, and that, but you know, at the very least I talked about it here and I think that's, that's good. But I think a lot of times, unfortunately, the, the, the kind of best way to do it is just do it and then ask for forgiveness later. <laughs> but you know, in the case of like, you know, cross cultural cultural stuff, I'm going to take a strong guess that, you know, I'll never know if I do it, if they have any problem with it kind of thing. So I don't know. Anyways, um, but yeah, it was fun, cute, and I and I really enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to checking out more. Looking forward to checking out the Christmas story one as well. So um, yeah, I'll uh, link to the uh, booth page that has the download. It is free. Um, and you know, if you've played Buddy Mission Bond, um, you play it the exact same way I recommended playing Buddy Mission Bond. Um, just you know, a lot less visual information, a lot less audio information. So it might take a little while, but thankfully, because you go through the story three times, um, you can kind of better put the pieces together once you understand kind of the full extent of what's happening in the plot. Um, though I just kind of spoiled everything for you. So, so yeah. So anyways, it was a good time and I had a good, a good time doing that. Um, in addition to that, um, and, and for, for Babylon's fall and also for King of Fishing eventually, um, I wanted to play through, uh, the original near near Gestalt, not play through it, play a lot of it to get some footage. I don't have any near Gestalt footage. If you're like Ben, you had near Gestalt footage in the, um, the uh, near comparison video actually used um, somebody else's footage for that. 
Um, I think I sourced them in the video. I hope I did. Um, and so, but I really wanted my own footage, uh, just to include in the Babylon's fall video. Cause in the Babylon's fall video, I talk about near a little bit. So I wanted to go ahead and record that. And, um, also if you don't know, um, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't say this. I mean, near so old at this point. Is it a spoiler? I don't know. Um, at the end of near games, you delete your save file. <laughs> um, and so, uh, it's hard to go back and get footage because I no longer have a save file. Um, so I, I basically have to play through the game again if I want to get footage for those games that I was playing, you know, well before I started just recording everything, right? Uh, Nier Automata, same, same deal. I didn't record that game. Although I need to check to see, I might have some like local recordings on my PS4, but I feel like I probably deleted those for space. I'm hoping I backed those up somewhere. I need to check, but I think there's a few places I can think of that I might have it, but if I can just use that, I'd much rather just use that. But, um, anyways, in, in returning to Nier Gestalt, you know, I really was just going back to get some footage, but... What I, I did not expect to get from playing near Gestalt again, A, and, and returning to PS3 games in general, I just, you know, PS3 games just look great. I, I think the, the game, those games have super held up um, and, and they look beautiful. Um, and I think I think in the case of Nier, it, it also held up you know very well. It's a great looking game in a lot of ways. Probably not great in the sense of the modern time of like what, you know, it's not no Final Fantasy 13, right? Final Fantasy 13 looks great. Um, but, but I think it looks really, really well done for what it is. And there's a lot of fun attention to detail and things like that. Um, all that stuff aside though, um, you know, and like, it doesn't really matter like how the games look. And I think today we, we, we are more likely to accept that it doesn't really matter how these games look, um, a lot of times, but it doesn't change that you can't appreciate them. <laughs> Anyways, but, uh, in playing near Gestalt though, um, I kind of had an excitement for the combat system. I really was not expecting, um, I don't remember how much I've communicated this over the years, but um, when Nier Automata got announced, you know, I love the original Nier. I think Nier Gestalt is an amazing game. It's my favorite PS3 game. Um, maybe the favorite game of that generation, although the Wii would probably give it a run for its way. Happy Dance Collection! Nier cannot stand against Happy Dance Collection. Um, I do love ha Happy Dance Collection. Okay. Whiskey. Oh my God, that would be an amazing conversation. Whiskey versus Nier. Like, what? What? What is my favorite <laughs> of that generation? Um, anyways, but um, but you know, it, it is my favorite PS3 game. But but when I when we got to the point that the sequel was announced, Nier Automata, Automata, whatever it's pronounced as, um, I kind of ran into a problem where, well, maybe ran, ran into a problem is the wrong word. I found out that the people that I shared a love with Nier with did not share the same love as me for Nier. And and I don't mean that as a way to say my love was better or diff like well, you know those more important or anything like that. I think like Nier Automata is a game that taught me a lot of things in terms of like how you can look at a video game and how you can come across with like completely different um expectations because of it, right? And then um cuz you know I I what I when I asked people when Automata got announced what they felt about Nier Gestalt's gameplay, I got told it was a bad game with a good story. And I incredibly disagreed with that um, in a lot of ways. But um, the combat was a big sticking point for a lot of people. And I think at the time, and not revisiting it or anything, I just kind of gave up that, that part of the discussion and just was like, okay, I think it is a, and I think the, the way I've always communicated was, I think it is a average Zelda style game in terms of combat. Um, it does some interesting and unique things, but it feels like an average Zelda game. 
And I think that was kind of my compromise there to kind of explain to people why I liked it, but not necessarily knowing the best way to communicate um, why I liked it as much as I did. Uh, and and I focused more on structure of that game in terms of the dungeon designs and things like that. The really unique dungeon designs of that game and how they utilize the core mechanics of that game in almost you know consistent ways. They don't focus on variety by changing the game. They focus on variety by manipulating the gameplay. Um, and what you're doing as the player is the same, but how you perceive it is very different. And I think that's something that Automata fails at in a lot of ways, personally. But, you know, there's a good chance I never tried to do that, right? That, that is a good chance that that was, like, as, I, as I've learned with that Automata, there's a lot of things that I think were important to me in the original Nier that was not important to other people. And I think, at least today, not important to the franchise. Um, and, and so in revisiting it, I kind of just expected to feel like it was a average style Zelda game. But when I picked it up and started playing it, like from the get-go, if you don't know, the beginning of that game starts off with a really, um, um, I guess, intense maybe, I don't know if maybe noisy combat sequence. I don't know. It's like really, there's a lot going on. It's not hard, but there's a lot going on in that first combat sequence. And I immediately was like, this is not what I remembered feeling when playing this combat and and I was like this is really fun and it's fun in a different way than the later Nier games and I kind of felt like Nier Replicant the remake of Nier Gestalt and, and Replicant the PS3 I won't go into the details of it but there's a, a remake of this game essentially if you know what's going on with that whole thing I'll let you know that but if you don't know don't worry about it it's a remake of this game basically um, the, I thought, I thought that, that this game, the limitations of the combat in this game, which was a lot more grounded, probably does inform how Replicant plays because Replicant is much more grounded than Automata. Automata feels like pure platinum games action where Replicant feels a, like a more honed in grounded combat with the Platinum Games style of attacking in it. But, and so I kind of viewed it as a midpoint, but in a lot of ways, I think it might lean more on Automata's combat um, because this game has a very unique feel to how it plays. Um, it feels a lot more about crowd management. Um, it feels a lot more about, um, you know, uh, using um i guess like i'm trying to think like the best way to put this without just making it sound like a dumb normal video game but it, crowd management is a big thing i think uh understanding windows in your combat for dark arts which are the magic spells in that game and when they should be used and how to best use them and how to use dark arts and then kind of recover your dark energy quickly there's a balance there I don't think at the time I realized. And and I think this game does a lot when it comes to how you manage things in combat. There's a lot of excess to the combat. It kind of feels like one of those things, like if you ever play A Link to the Past, there's like a lot of excess items in that game and that like never really show up later on in the Zelda series. And it's just kind of there to be there. And at some point, I think they realize this item, 
doesn't matter. Trim it, nobody will miss it kind of thing. And there are elements of that that in this game where there's like a charge sword skill you can use that like it does not really fit into anything you do so far, at least from what I've played. Um, also, the um, there's like a finisher move too that just feels super awkward to use. But everything else there feels really good. And does it have like a loose feeling to it in a lot of ways? Like it does not... It feels like a more freeform movement game than a game like Nier Automata, where Nier Automata really wants you to be engaged with one particular enemy. Um, and then sometimes they open that up to like killing multiple groups of enemies at once. But I don't think how you interact and why you interact with that group is the same. Um, and I was really kind of taken aback by just how, how, how this game <laughs> feels, I guess. I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm trying to find the words in this moment. That's probably very obvious, but, um, I was really, really kind of blown away. Um, and you know, I was like, I need to get like maybe an hour of footage. And like, I, I went almost like four hours of playing that game, which I almost got through the entire first part of part one. And, um, for King of Fishing, I found out I need to actually get a little later in the game. If you don't know, King of Fishing is my, um, side stream series where we're going and playing a bunch of fishing mini games. Um, and Nier's a little complicated, but as far as I can tell, we probably can get what I want to do with it. Um, once I get to a certain point in the game and I'm actually kind of right before that point. So I'll, I was originally not planning to play anymore because I thought I had kind of gotten to the fishing part, but I had gotten to, I still need to go a little bit further. So I will play a little bit more, but, um, yeah, I just was kind of blown away in a way that I really was not expecting. Um, and it gives me so much more respect for that original game in a lot of ways. And, um, it does make me wonder if I went back to near replicant, a game that I think at the time I said, you know, it was probably the best iteration of Nier's combat. I really wonder if I feel that now. Um, I think Nier Replicant is, is in my eyes, better than Automata. Um, Automata, whatever it is. Um, but it is... It's so... It's just people hitting things with swords. But it feels so different to me in terms of how you execute. And why you execute. And... um. And so I, I was really kind of just like blown away by that. And it's like one of those things that like a lot of times I try to avoid going back to games because I don't want to waste time. And and I think this is one of the situations where I felt like this is going to be, other than needing to get footage, a waste of time. But um, but yeah, I think it was like one of the one of the more informative experiences I've had in a very long time um, about games. So anyways... It was great, um, and I had a great time with it, and um, it really changed, I think, how I feel about Gestalt, how I'll talk about Gestalt to other people, and um, hopefully change also, you know, my conversations about Nier going forward as well, um, kind of realizing that, you know, the Replicant remake, look, if you like Nier Automata, you should play the Replicant remake. But there are a lot of merits to Gestalt that I kind of underplayed um, that I think in my mind, I kind of viewed it as like, you should just play Replicant. Um, other than that, obviously Papa Nier is a whole other thing, right? Um, but there's more to it than just Papa Nier. There's mechanical feeling things that are different too. So, 
Whew, that was a lot of words for that. Hopefully that came out reasonably well and I you know made sense there. But um but yeah, I had a great time and I need to go back and I, I really am kind of excited to go back to play a little bit more. Um and and you know honestly I need more footage. So I gotta play Near Automata as well, as well as some Earthbound too for some footage for the Babylon Fall video. So um those are things that are gonna be happening sometime here in the near future. Um and uh oh, by the way, update. Summerbringer still not, has not happened, uh, unfortunately. So anyways, before we get into news. It's time. Time for Jillian's Corner. Jillian has a question for us because she is a supporter of us. Although, like I said, there is no current way for you to get your questions in, though. Feel free to ask me questions and say, I want this on the podcast and I will likely just work it in in the meantime. But uh, in the future, that will probably change at some point. <laughs> um, just right now, we're just kind of coasting on Jillian's questions. We got a lot of questions from Jillian, so we got a lot of, a lot of room to, co- to coast with. Um, but anyways, Jillian has the question... What are the top five games you want to see re-released or ported to modern consoles? And I actually took this list and made two lists um, because I think there's two different ways I feel about ports and, and, and things like that. One, the stuff I played, because ideally that would mean it gives more people the opportunity to go and visit that thing that I like. Um, and I feel like that's a different interest on my part than um, stuff I haven't played and what a port does for me personally in a lot of ways. Um, so I wanted to kind of split that list up a little bit and uh, and just talk about those. So first we'll get with the stuff I actually have played. So these are games that I have played through and I would love to see kind of re-implemented in a way that uh, people can can check it out in the more modern day at an at a easier um, range kind of thing or that's the general thought behind this. Um, the first one is Skies of Arcadia. I don't know why Sega has not re-released Skies of Arcadia at this point. Um, it's a fantastic Japanese role-playing game and, um, you know, I, I think it is a a really fun kind of like 90s anime, um, you know, hyper positive uh, exploration game that gives a really good sense of like exploring the world. Um, is it full of stereotypes? Yes. But but I think it is a very, a very kind of fun, um, very like, I guess like maybe almost like kids anime feeling to it in a lot of ways where like everything, everyone is positive, but there's, there are like dark elements to it. But at the end of the day, everyone is just like, we can do this kind of thing with the power of friendship kind of thing. A lot of cool things, very flashy game as well. A lot of cool special attacks, the, the, uh, boat battles while not maybe the most mechanically invigorating things um, are really fun and cinematic from how the camera angles work and things like that. So I'd love to see skies of Arcadia. Um, I, this will never happen, but uh, I would love to see a Final Fantasy XI um, offline version made for, for current day consoles. There's a lot of things in Final Fantasy XI that you can do now, thanks to um, these things called, uh, 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 gosh, I forgot what they're called. They're like these illusions of characters in the game. Oh my gosh, I can't remember. I'm blanking on it. Anyways, you can summon other characters and they kind of replace your party members. And... Um, it has done a lot for that game and helping you play through that content um, by yourself. And while not everything is balanced for that, there are a lot of things in that game that that does work. Um, so I would love to see a fairly faithful version of that game ported to modern systems with like an offline mode kind of thing. Um, I don't think we're in any, any danger of Final Fantasy XI going away. And then obviously... Uh, trust is what they're called. Um, uh, I don't think we're in any danger of Final Fantasy XI going around, away in the near future. 
Um, and also, if you want to get different types of experiences, there are private servers out there, and Square Enix does not seem to be going out of their way to shut them down. I don't know what the situation would look like if you want to host your own server, um, but ideally, kind of the less barriers you have to entry, I think the better for that kind of thing. So I would love to see something like that. Um, I recently played through Star Fox Assault with a friend. I really love that game. I think it's really cool, and I would love to see that on modern consoles. Not a lot to say there other than, you know, it is a game that... Uh, it's a little wonky in a lot of ways, but I think the modern day we'd be a lot more forgiving to it as 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 uh, people checking it out kind of thing. So um, I would love a Snowboard Kids collection. I think Snowboard Kids um, is a really awesome Mario Kart style series, and they recently released like the entire soundtrack on Spotify. Um, I would love to see like a Snowboard Kids collection and, and, and bringing those games back. I love Snowboard Kids too, specifically. I haven't played the other ones. There's like Snowboard Kids and the Snowboard Kids Plus. I probably should play those at some point. All very expensive. Oh, it's a DS game as well. All very expensive games now. Um, but, you know, there's ways to play those games if you want to. And um, the last one, uh, I have two here, actually. Uh, let me decide between these real quick. One's Nintendo. One is PlayStation. Do I have... what? What does the balance of this sheet look like? Sega... PlayStation, Nintendo, Atlas. So we have a Nintendo and another Sega one. Um, we'll just do, we'll do, look. Ah, man. All right, here's my decision. Uh, so there's two things on this list. Hotel Dusk and Last Window Collection and Valkyria Chronicles 2 and 3 Collection. Um, I think I would prefer people to play Hotel Dusk and Last Window over Valkyrie Chronicles 2. So let's do that one. As much as I like Valkyrie Chronicles 2 and need to eventually play 3 on myself, uh, I guess that's why I just have Valkyrie Chronicles 2 list here because I have not played 3 yet. Um, I, I would, I, I think Hotel Dusk is a series that I would, I would be more preferable to people having more regular access to. That being said, the assets in that game, I would hope they have the source assets, but I would guess they probably don't. So I don't think that would scale well to console without some work kind of thing. Valkyrie Chronicles 2, also a very cool game though. Games I haven't played, um, you know, I think today it's really hard for me to find like re-releases I'm excited for because I usually prefer to play the original. Um, but say, for example, I could only play the remake versions of these games. I would love to play a uh, re-ported re, re version of these games. Um, I always want to play the original Doc Hack series on PS2. I know they did the GU ports, but I, I would like to play that original series. Um, the Mystical Ninja Goemon game on the Nintendo 64 is a game I always want to play as somebody who's a fan of Castlevania 64. I think there's a lot of crossover of things that I would really enjoy in that game. So I want to check that game out. Uh, That's the 3D platformer one, not the 2D platformer one. Um, Coldelka? Is that how you pronounce it? Coldelka? Coldelka? I, I don't know if I spelled this right. Coldelka. The, the Shadow Hearts kind of prequel game on the PlayStation. It's got a really cool game, uh, and, I, and I, I would like to see that kind of revived, and people seem to really enjoy it. In general, I think Shadow Hearts as a series would be a, a cool series to kind of bring back in a lot of ways. Um, Zombies Revenge on the Dreamcast is like a, I think a beat-em-up kind of thing, but it always seemed like a bunch of goofy fun, so I would love to see that on modern systems. And then Burning Rangers for the Sega Saturn, because Burning Rangers is a game that um, I think I've always been like really interested in, but I've never been in a situation where I've had access to a Sega Saturn. Um, very short game, and um, I think it's like 40 minutes long, but I think today I would have a lot of fun with it, um, where I think back in the day I would have been a little bit more disappointed if it was only 40 minutes long. So anyways, there's my list of games that I want ported or re-released for myself and for other people. So thank you again, Jillian, for that question.
we got some news stories. A lot of Switch news stories here. First and foremost, form, for, Fortnite most. Um, uh, Spike Chunsoft is actually localizing a game we talked about a while ago. Um, I think X Fitness was the original publisher for this, um, which was Fitness Runner, but it's now known as Fitness Circuit. Um, this is a really neat looking kind of multiplayer fitness game, um, where you, uh, are, are like these future athletes that I think are not necessarily, I don't know if it's like a sport or if it's like you're saving the world kind of thing, but they've got kind of like a superhero aesthetic to them in a lot of ways. And it looks kind of neat. Um, that's getting localized and it has a really fancy box art that really seems like it's trying to invoke, uh, fitness boxing vibes. So I think they're trying to get in on the success of fitness boxing too here. Um, but, uh, but it's got a really nice box. Art. I think a better box art than the, the Japan, which I, that very rare. I feel like that happens, but very cool looking, uh, uh, game. And I would, I am on, on the fence about checking it out. I, I also want to kind of play Fizzle in our star fitness boxing, but at the same time, I feel like I never really spent the time with the original fitness boxing that I should. And and so I kind of want to go back to that and, and put more time into that as well. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of coming out again, fitness circuit. I think it's like 40 bucks or something like that for the physical copy. I don't know what the digital is. Uh, May, I believe is when it's coming out May 26th. Yes. Switch nudity is back, baby. We had a little bit of a discussion about, um, um, a, a while ago, one of the publishers who's putting out kind of more erotic Switch games was, uh, kind of lamenting the fact that Nintendo was no longer accepting, um, as, as scantilous of games after the whole thing with, uh, the game, the original game was called, uh, Massage Freaks. And I think the file name was Beat Reflay or something like that. Um, but, uh, this is that, that, that massage game where you massage girls it's a rhythm game and um i, I heard that is actually a pretty good game overall but it never came to switch actually because after some drama some of the characters were named after real people which was concerning um um so there's a lot of things and also there's like apparently some things in japan of like sexual um i guess a sexual assault maybe um of, of people in japan uh in massage parlors things like that or at least that was kind of the the narrative at the time i i'm not an expert on any of this stuff so don't come to me and say like that's not the case i mean t feel free to tell me it's not the case but just know that i have no idea what i'm talking about beyond what very little i read at the time <laughs> so uh, but yeah so uh um there's a game that came out called hentai world and apparently it's like it's like a pretty straightforward block sliding puzzle game but it has nudity in it so that an original uh statement by i forget who it was back then who said that Nintendo had kind of cracked down uh, seems to either have, I, I would say they're probably telling the truth, but it seems like maybe Nintendo has lightened up again. Again, a lot of this stuff just seems to come down to it would be really nice if there were set guidelines for these things and they didn't feel like they were moving all the time. Um, um, Steam has that same problem, although it feels like it's not nearly a big of a problem anymore. Um, but yeah, it'd be really nice that stuff was, was, was more clear um, for going into the future. So anyways... That is back, apparently. Um, there's an interesting game that kind of caught, I feel like, the Twitter Twitter community that I follows uh, eyes for a little bit, which is a toilet paper switch game. Do I have the name for this? I don't think I have the name here. On Let me see if I can figure that out. But it's a, a game, Give Me Toilet Paper, Please, for the Nintendo Switch. It's by this guy who apparently likes making unique controller games. He has two other, like, unique controller games that, like, have you pulling a sword out of a stone and the other one's like a you like flip the glasses up on like a mannequin head. But obviously those are things that aren't necessarily accessible to people, but you can take a Joy-Con and shove it in a toilet roll. And so you get a piece of cardboard, put the Joy-Con in the toilet roll and then roll it back and forth. And it's like a maze that the toilet uh, 
uh, paper rolls in the game and you're kind of just like, you know, balancing it as it goes down and dodging, you know, shredders and things like that, that will destroy the toilet paper before it gets to the, looks like a salary man who, uh, uh, who needs some toilet paper kind of thing. So a uh, cute little thing. I like ideas like that. I would love to see more games that have more unique ideas like that, that take, you know, a Joy-Con and, and finds, you know, everyday household things. Uh, there's like a cheapy robo game, Photo Finder, maybe, that I really want to check out. And that asks you to go and like take pictures of things in your household as well, including toilet paper. And then Chibi Robo rolls out the toilet paper. So shove your Chibi Robo in a toilet paper roll and then roll it down an obstacle course. <laughs> so, so yeah, very cute little Switch game as well. Um, kind of speaking of small time creators, though, uh, there's a co- pretty cool program that recently got announced. Uh, if you're not familiar with this, there's a platform called Project Egg. And Project Egg is a um, has been around a long time, actually. Um, and it's a way to revive old PC games. Um, there used to be, I think it was GameTap in the US. It kind of felt like that era when this thing came around. Uh, and so it revives old PC games. So you can play, you know, PC-98 games, PC-88 games. And these are Japanese-specific PC games. MSX games, I think, as well. And, um, and so it's a really cool platform. I, I don't think many Westerners use it. I don't know if there's any like weird boundaries that there's like a VIP or, uh, you know, uh, 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 what's it called VPN needed or anything like that, or like Japanese credit card or something, but, um, not many people in the West use it, I believe. But, um, one of the cool programs they're opening up is that they're opening up their platform to homebrew games now. So you can use, uh, upload homebrew games you make for platforms like the X68000, like the PC98 and things like that. So that's very cool um, to see that because it is it is difficult to access, you know, platforms that can run these things at times without using an emulator. I mean, obviously Project X is an emulator, but here's an official capacity where they manage the emulator on their side versus you managing an emulator on your PC, right? So I think that's like a really cool, um, a really cool thing uh, to, to, to see uh, put online kind of thing. So I don't think it's relevant to most of us, um, uh, but I think it is a a cool thing in the, the realm of of Japanese indie d- game developers kind of thing and Dojin game developers and things like that. And I'd be curious to see if like old Dojin games show up as well. Somebody has access to their old code that they wrote, if they would be willing to go ahead and upload stuff on there. Don't know if they're charging for it. I mean, I think Project Egg in general is like a subscription service. But I'm going to take a guess that they're probably not going to pay much or if anything, if it's like a user submitted thing, if anything, it might be a very minimal amount depending on how many people actually play it or something. So. Anyways, it'd be interesting to see. Um, kind of some more Japanese news. There's actually, this is not really, well, this isn't really news. This is more of like an a, 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 a observation by my part because we've talked about this kind of stuff in the past. And so I thought it would be worth kind of providing an update for. Um, Japanese sales numbers now include PS5 games and PS5 uh, consoles. Well, let me rephrase that. Japanese games are actually ranking now, or not Japanese, PS5 games are actually ranking on, on Japanese sales charts now. Is that it's not that they like allowed them in, but because they're selling well enough that they're actually appearing. If you don't know, in the past, there's been a lot less PlayStation 5 stuff because Switch has really dominated the, the platform, uh, or the, yeah, the, the Japanese market. A lot of this seems to have come from, you know, there being a limited number of PS5s shipped to Japan, even compared to the U.S., um, you know, which we already had limited numbers here as well. So it seems like that is finally kind of picking up pace there now that they have PS5s available in the market. The PS5 hardware outsold all Switch units combined for the week and things like that. So kind of cool to see that 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 the PlayStation's finally starting to pick up there and we'll get to see, you know, the impact of, you know, coming to late to the market. Does that impact, impact, impact the sales? 
you know, do people stick with the Switch more or or do people, you know, switch over to PlayStation? I mean, obviously, I think they use both, but like, where do they buy their games going forward? Do they stick with the portable nature of the Switch or do they go with the PS5? But, you know, the libraries are pretty dang different. That They can kind of coexist in a lot of ways, I feel like. So, yeah, interesting to see that stuff ranking on that board. And this is the first week I've seen it. So maybe this has been going on longer, I will say. But, you know, the last time we checked in, it was all Switch stuff. So. And then last but not least, um, a little update to uh, the Yuji Naka Chronicles. Um, you know, so if you don't know, Yuji Naka got arrested. Creator of, or I guess one of the main people on the Sonic franchise, uh, head of Prope, um, Rodea the Sky Soldier stuff, uh, Battle of Wonderworld, things like that. He had a lot of kind of weird legal stuff coming out of Battle of Wonderworld where he ended up suing Square Enix about a, some stuff. Um, people were very kind of hard on him, you know, whether it's right or wrong is a whole other thing. There's been a history of issues with Yuji Naka that or maybe history of accounts of Yuji Naka, um, having issues in the workplace, um, with that stuff. But, um, anyway, so, so I think a lot of people are kind of, um, turned on him again, right or wrong. I don't want to say how you feel. Um, I have my own feelings about it, but I won't go into that here. Um, but he got uh, arrested because of uh, insider trading when he's at Square Enix. So he, I think it's Dragon Quest Tact, and then also uh, Final Fantasy VII, the first soldier. He invested in some companies that uh, that were had not announced that they were working with Square Enix yet. So they invested money into them, and then probably I would assume sold after you know they announced their product with Square Enix and their stock price went up, um, which uh, is insider trading. So. Um, he admitted to, um, doing that, um, in terms of the, the, the actual process of doing it. Uh, I haven't seen, you know, I, I think this is like a problem with insider trading in the U S or at least the excuse used a lot of times is that people don't know that they were doing insider trading, um, kind of thing. Uh, like, like obviously in hindsight, it makes sense when you like lay it out to them, but you don't necessarily know that that's what you're, what's happening. So it's I don't know if Yuji Naka knew what he was doing was breaking the law at the time, but that doesn't matter in the you know, a court case, right? So I just think it's something that I, that I think is worth considering at this point in time, given um, that whole scenario and things like that. Um, I see a lot of people kind of using it, you know, we're in the Yuji Naka dunk zone. So you see a lot of people using that as ammo to kind of give him a lot of trouble. I, I will say, in my opinion, there are much bigger things to give you Naka some trouble about. I mean, not directly going after him, but you know, there, there are things that seem a lot worse than this, but I feel like this is just kind of people kind of, you know, putting on, on more of a, uh, well, people celebrating this is, is more of a putting on like a layer that just feels like, you know, trying to push his head under the water further and further kind of thing. So again, I'm not saying how you should feel about Yuji Naka. I've got my own feelings about Yuji Naka. Um, <laughs> But um, I think I think uh, it is definitely a relevant news story. But I think that was something worth thinking about. Of just like was he aware that was, he was even what he was doing? But again, in the eyes of the law, that doesn't matter. So, but in the eyes of you know people making fun on the internet, I think that is something that is worth considering. So, anyways, Yuji Naka sympathy moment over. <laughs> That's the end of this week's show. Thank you again for coming. OneControlBoard.com is the website. Um, if you have any, uh, uh, questions you want to ask, feel free to reach out. And then I might, uh, throw that into the Jillian's corner moment here. Like I said earlier, I don't know why I'm plugging that right now, but we're just plugging that now. Um, like I said earlier for Kofi, if you support me there, you'll get early access to the Babylon's fall, um, work in progress video. Maybe early access probably isn't the right word for that one. You get a sneak peek because nobody else is going to see that version unless you subscribe to the Kofi. Um, 
And then also, there's probably going to be a Damn Damn Stomp Land uh, uh, review, which is like a PlayStation 1 Arena Fighter. Very cute looking game. Uh, that will eventually go free, but for now, it's going to be early access, and I believe that should be going up this week. So, anyways, that is all. Thank you guys so much for coming, and I hope you guys have a great week. Go check out the panel if you didn't check it out. It is live. It went up live last week, so go check that out. If you did not, talk to you later. Bye.